The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. Hello, I'm Shirley Rhodes, and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast. On tonight's episode, the voice Jeff Charles goes one-on-one with longtime sports agent John Eckert. John has represented many athletes and entertainers throughout his career, including the bands behind the hits Devil with a Blue Dress On and Wooly Bully. Sit back and relax. Today's Pirate Radio Podcast with the voice and John Eckert starts right now. Welcome in to the Pirate Radio Podcast, a visit with John Eckert from John Eckert Entertainment in California. He's represented musicians, entertainers, and sports figures for years, and he's a longtime friend. We met in Atlanta in 1980, and we worked together booking personal appearances with pro athletes when I worked at WSB Radio. He has some wonderful stories to share with us from his days representing a lot of big names that you'll recognize, household names. John, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Welcome, my friend. How you doing? Well, I was going to say welcome to you, too, my friend. And before <laughs> we begin, congratulations to the ECU baseball team. Boy, yeah. Oh, boy. They are preseason ranked. Yep, uh, the preseason ranked, and uh, yeah, they're uh, they're expected to have a, a really good year this year. John, uh, before we talk about all the people you know in the sports yep. business and entertainment business, let's start with John Eckert and give uh, folks a little bit about your background. Uh, when did you start your professional career? Well, um, I actually started when I was 15 years old. I was a kid back in Sioux City, Iowa. And uh, I uh, knew that I was going to have something to do with entertainment. I could not sing. I could not play. But, boy, I had the gift of gab, you know. And, and someone said, well, you should go out there and start uh, introducing bands to the Sioux City, Sioux Falls, and Omaha areas. And here I was at 15 years old, and I grabbed a band called Patch of Blue, which uh, music lovers may remember, uh, the late Tommy Bolan, who uh, played with Deep Purple and prior to that, James Gang. Well, he was in the original group that I had, and I was their road manager. I uh, was the guy, I was the bad guy of, of the group because I had to collect the money that was due, the band, <laughs> as, we, as we played in the ballroom. I was 15 years old and decided that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And uh, gosh, uh, I, I'm, I, I made it. You know, <laughs> you did. No that, doubt. That's how it worked. That's okay. how the whole thing started. Okay, it started there, and then of course uh, you've been all over the country. I wanted to talk about some of the household names, as I mentioned, that you have represented sure. over the years. Not only oh, in the sports business, but also in the entertainment business. One of one of the biggest names that I know you know well and have represented over these years is Pat Boone. Pat Boone's now eighty six years young, and he yeah. was in his day a a terrific, terrific entertainer. Still is, by the way, and everybody knows who Pat Boone is. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with him. Well, Ed Lubin, his business manager, and I were friends when both you and I were in Atlanta. He uh, ran a radio station there, WKLS, and I got to know him through that. And um, years 
years go by now, and I'm in California, and I get a call from Ed Lubin saying, have you ever heard of Pat Boone? I said, yes, I have. <laughs> and he said, well, he has this crazy little Christian music show that's a, that appears on 160 radio stations around the country. Would you mind, with your gift of gab, call these radio stations and say, how would you like to have Pat Boone on a, on a weekend or weekday radio show? And I said, wait, well, that'd be great, Ed, let's do it. So here I am with Pat Boone calling around the country trying to get his program, the Pat Boone Radio Show, on the air, and which we did. Pat Boone, I was going to say, John, Pat Boone sold 45 million records in the 50s. He was second only to Elvis Presley. That's pretty remarkable, the career he's had. Oh, yeah, and he'll he'll always remind you of that also. Uh, (laughs) He would say, hey, I was right next to Elvis. Come on. (laughs) But but he he is a really um, uh, just a a decent guy. Uh, He's a commercial spokesman, as as you and I have been talking back and forth. And um, he is one of the, I think, one of the best personalities in America today. We're visiting with longtime friend John Eckert of John Eckert Entertainment in California. 38 top 40 hits for Pat Boone, and a lot of folks probably don't know this, John, but he was a part owner of a professional basketball team back in the day in the 70s with the ABA. He owned and with some other guys, but he was was an owner with the old Oakland Oaks in the American Basketball Association. A lot of folks probably don't realize that. Yes, he was, and when the at the demise of the ABA, uh, they I think he joined the Warriors for a very very short time. I don't think he was with them that much. And then his daughter, of course, Debbie Boone. She yeah. had a great career too, didn't she? Oh, what a great what a great song that "You Light Up My Life" is, huh? That yes, was her, that that was her big song, and Pat was at the recording of that. And he was telling me, he said, you know, I was in the background. I was sitting in the in the studio part of the uh, building, and I think I really made her nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, not so nervous that she didn't have a number one hit in 1977. That song was at the top of the charts for 10 weeks. Pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, I know. People around, people around her said, boy, I wish... I wish she would come up with another song because, boy, I'm <laughs> sure getting tired of hearing that song on five five times a day. <laughs> exactly. It was big back then. Hey, and then the other person I wanted to, you to talk about here, and people will remember, yeah. because yeah. he was he was such a character, and he was big during this era as well, Tiny Tim. Yeah. You knew Tiny Tim very well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, he, I met him um, through um, a guy by the name of Mike DeSalma. And he was uh, based at that time in Des Moines, Iowa. I happened to see a uh, just a, a television show that Tiny Tim was out there, and I called him just point blank cold right at his place. And I said, "Mr. Tim, this is John Eckert, and I think I can get you some jobs." He goes, oh, "Okay, have you talked to Mike?" I said, "Yes, I have," and. Uh, from there on, uh, we uh, booked him at casinos, and he was just a charming guy. He was everything that I didn't think he was. <laughs> and um, people uh, would either like him or dislike him, 
and the people that disliked him went to the show to make sure they didn't like him. Isn't that something? I've never yeah. had an artist like that. I've never had an artist or, or performer at all like that. He was so unique, uh, yep. to, to say the least. He he, he was he was unique, and un, unfortunately, uh, his yep. life kind of, kind of came to a tragic end, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I had booked him to a uh, casino in uh, my, not too far from my area, and uh, he from there went to Boston, Massachusetts, to do a show, and uh, he had a minor heart attack after the show and was hospitalized for about three weeks. But he was one of these guys that wanted, he, you know, he wanted to get out of the hospital and onto the stage. He was, he was that type of person. And um, his doctor said, you know, Mr. Tim, you should not uh, do any uh, performing at all for another six months. He said, six months? I have, I have appearances I have to appear. He said, if I were you, I would not do them. And he did. He did them. Uh, he went to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he lived at for a charity show for a woman's club or woman's auxiliary, I think it was, and passed away, uh, had another heart attack, passed away on stage after he sang his uh, Tiptoe Through the Tulips as his last song. Wow. That's uh that was really really a tragic situation and and I loved him he he was a great guy uh always was cordial to me called me mister didn't call me John called me mister and would call you Jeff mister too yeah, that's the kind of a guy he was well he was only 64 years old when he passed away yeah. so he didn't live a, a real long life John, I, I wanted to talk yeah. about this guy, too, and all of our listeners will remember the name of Burt Sugar from his days oh, yeah. in, in boxing, uh, Burt Randolph yeah. Sugar, uh, one of the yeah. most well-known people in boxing for decades and decades. He was an author. He was an announcer. He was just Mr. Inside Pro Boxing for all those years on television, uh, and you knew yeah. him well, too, didn't you? Yes, I did, and that was another case of um, someone asked me, uh, do you have any boxing people, you know, like professional boxers? I said, no. He said, well, I'll tell you who's looking, and that's Burt Sugar. And I said, Burt Randolph Sugar? He goes, yep, the guy from New York. And Burt, by the way, before we get into his career, he lived just down the street from the Clintons in, at their home in uh, New York. He lived on the same street that Bill and Hillary Clinton lived in. Isn't that something? Wow. But uh, he um, he was a, another character. He had a one-liner for everything. If, if you ever have heard anything he's ever done, not only is he very knowledgeable about the boxing sport, he has those zingers, those big one-liners for almost everything you say. I said, I would say, how you doing, Bert? He goes, Bird's doing fine. How are you? you know, <laughs> yeah, things. he was a character yeah, that was, big cigar and a oh, big hat, and oh yeah, yeah. In fact, he had a line of cigars right right before he passed away. Uh, he had a line of cigars that I, I was going to promote, and I really wanted to. And of course, he he passed away on us. But but uh, Bert was a character. I I set him up for a Pentagon Channel uh, boxing show, and some of the reruns are are on online up there maybe some of you can maybe check a youtuber or um, another source to, to see some of his old shows that he did 
but he was uh, doing the Armed Forces Boxing Championships. And uh, there's a funny story to that. He was never live. He was kind of like what you guys have been doing by sitting in a studio. And the Pentagon Channel would have the live cameras there, and they would talk over the uh, over the show. Sure. But, but that was a very interesting time in his life because he really loved it. Uh, the only thing he hated was the background, background check to get into the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, he said you had to be there an hour early by the uh, check, and they didn't care who, what your name was or who you were. Uh, they still did the old FBI check right there. I got the feeling, watching him over the years, John, that the professional yeah. fighters, the boxers, really respected him and really respected mm-hmm. his knowledge of the industry and the games and mm-hmm. and the guys who were in it and the people that were in pro boxing at the time. Uh, did you kind of get that feeling, too? Uh, yes, I did. In fact, he spoke of uh, uh, Tommy Hearns, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Leon Spinks, all those people during his lifetime that, that have won titles uh, that were really, you know, Hagler, you know, Sugar Ray Rob, uh, Robinson and Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, and he spoke of them highly. And whenever I'd say something, he'd always correct me. He said, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> he'd always correct me on, on some facts. So, <laughs> well, but, he knew his facts. There's no doubt about that. He was a walking encyclopedia in professional boxing. We're visiting with longtime friend John Eckert of John Eckert Entertainment in California. Now I want to talk about an old band back in the 60s. Everybody that has a little bit of age on them, like you and me, John, they remember Devil with the Blue Dress on and Wooly Bully. And just about everybody I've talked with here in the last few days say, oh yeah, I remember those songs, but they don't remember who the band was that made those songs famous. So tell us about the band yeah sam the sham and the ferals uh what a what a great guy like like bert sugar uh sam is one of the kings of the one-liners to me every time you'd say something he had a he had a, a line to come back from um he told me one time he, as we began this thing which i i've known him since 1965 by the way he's one of the the oldest people that i know in this business and he told me one time, as as we were getting into um, uh, recordings and reissues of some of the uh, things that uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs did, he said, well, strap yourself on, on this rocket, because we're going up there again. I said, <laughs> oh, good. But he says, but be prepared, though. It's a, it's a long way down, too. <laughs> so, so he said, what that rocket goes up it comes back down quick he's still <laughs> kicking isn't he he is he uh, lives in memphis tennessee which is uh, i think one of the next few games that ecu has in uh, memphis yes uh, we'll play memphis uh, this year in in basketball and those hits that were big in in the mid 60s so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the whole shtick here the way he dressed and the way he uh presented himself sam the sham and the pharaohs how did that all come about well i gotta tell you a funny story about that um he was living in uh louisiana at the time and he was not in the group he had a friend who was a member of a group that he eventually joined and he couldn't make it on one show and they said does anybody know how to play uh, an organ 
And Sam said, no, I can probably do some chords. He says, good, you're in. And that's how that started. (laughs) Wow. And the name Sam uh, the Sham was a little takeoff on his singing ability. He thought it was a, a sham. Okay. <laughs> but but he he came up with the um, the tune Wooly Bully and uh someone told me one time it was a story about his cat and I think it's professionally out there that it was uh, uh it, it was it was in reference to his cat. But he told me a while back that Wooly Bully was a slang expression that he used, like, ain't that just a woolly bully? That's okay. How it, that's uh, how that came about. And um, the, the funny thing about that, he was on the Ed Sullivan show twice, and they were dressed up in um, garb of uh, ancient pharaohs that we would know as the pharaohs, with the headdress and headbands and all of that. And Ed Sullivan asked his producer... Um, how do I how do I talk to these guys? How what 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 language do they use? And he said, "Well, Ed, they're from Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, they are." And he didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> wow! But he thought they he thought they were Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, well, they look like it. I can understand yeah. why. We're visiting with longtime friend John Eckert of John Eckert Entertainment in California. Let, let's talk yeah. about let's yeah. talk about John uh, the sports figures that you represented over the years, and certainly in our yeah. neck of the woods here. Uh, everybody yeah. remembers Tree Rollins from his days oh. with Clemson, and then of course with the yeah. Atlanta Hawks when you hooked yep. up with him. And I was covering the yep. Atlanta Hawks back in those days. And Tree was, yep. I know, always one of your favorites, wasn't he? Well, he was, and you know, he was he was a gentle giant, as they say, if we can use that phrase. He he was one of those guys that would do anything for you, and no matter who you were and what your standing in life was. Um, he was the guy, and I'll probably get killed for telling the story, but but when he signed his million-dollar contract with Ted Turner uh, when he had the uh, Hawks, uh, he gave uh, $10,000 worth of tickets to kids mm-hmm. that couldn't that couldn't make it to the arena. And I was in, I got this in the... I, I, saw him one time uh, in, in the locker room in the game, you know, with these big bag of tickets. I went, what in the heck am I going to do with these? He goes, I want you to give them out to every kid for every game. And there's there's like uh, uh, 10, 10 tickets per game. I said, ooh. So here I went. Here I am with a, uh, almost a pound of tickets in my hand. I'm walking out of the arena. And uh, he said, uh, he said, I want to see, I want to see 10 kids every game said so be it you got it and uh that turned out to be one of the the great blessings because he had a basketball camp as you know that i was in charge with and we had uh, dominique wilkins at the time in our camp and and um i'm trying to think gerald wilkins his brother was there and uh trying to think maybe tom mcmillan maybe uh, came to the camp, but but we gave all the kids in the camp uh, tickets to the game, so he so they could see his uh, his friend play basketball. I thought that was one of the neatest and kindest things I think any professional athlete could do. Well, you're right about him being a nice, kind guy because I still have the picture, and I think you 
introduced me to tree and my my son Britt was about three or four years old at the time and we still have this picture of tree was seven one and here was my little son little toddler like three or four years old and he's he's holding Britt above his head which he was about <laughs> ten and a half feet up in the air and we still yeah. we still have that picture but you're right he he was so he was so good with people he's so good with kids oh yeah and uh no I'll, I'll never forget i'll never forget the things that he's done and and he he would appear at little um drive-ins and and uh, malls in atlanta where probably other people wouldn't do that they say no i have i'm i'm off and i want to relax a little bit but he oh, he would always call me say, hey you got anything for us on uh, friday uh, we're, we're off that day that's mm-hmm. how he would that's how he would do it well, here's so he another was, athlete, a, uh, John. That yeah, he was. Here's another athlete that, yep. as we were doing our homework, uh, we discovered this. Now, a lot of people in our area will remember Buddy Curry when he played at North Carolina. He was an outstanding linebacker, and then he went on to a terrific career with the Atlanta Falcons. In fact, in 1980, yep. he was the rookie defensive player of the year in the NFL. Yep. But as we were doing our homework uh, to visit with you, Buddy Curry was actually born in Greenville, and then he, he grew up in uh, Danville, Virginia. But Buddy Curry was a big star in the National Football League and with the Falcons yep. uh, in the 80s, and he was another guy that you represented. Yeah, I uh, we did what we called the Monday night uh, football promotions at local eateries, and Buddy was always there. He was always one. He would call me and say, "Hey, you got anything for Monday night football? You know, we're we're not playing, and maybe I can see myself on TV." <laughs> <laughs> and that was pretty funny. And and um, I did that with uh, a few of the athletes. Uh, you'll probably. You know, you, of course, remember Mick Luckhurst, and we did Al Richardson and Wilson Flamina and all those all those guys uh, from uh, the Atlanta Falcons. That was that was a real fun time for my life. Yeah, and I know Mick Luckhurst when he left the Falcons, he was the all time leading scorer in Atlantic Fal- Atlanta Falcon history, and he's yeah. he's a guy that you stay in touch with to this day, isn't he? Oh yeah! In fact, I I uh, have not yet, but I always wish everybody that I worked with uh, happy New Year. Drives my wife crazy because I'll be talking to somebody, and uh, Nick uh, is one of those guys. Very interesting story. Uh, when he came to Atlanta, uh, there was another field goal kicker that the Falcons had, and he had a bad year one year prior to the draft so the talk was out all oh, the falcons need another kicker well here comes mick from california his first year nobody he did not have a chance of making that team as, as you and i are talking he did not have a chance and they uh, decided to go the new route and mick was in and the other guy who had been with the team i think for three or four years maybe you remember his name i cannot remember his name uh, Tim sure. Mazzetti. Tim Mazzetti. Okay. I just remembered that. And uh, he was uh, he was gone, and Mick was in. And uh, everybody was real surprised. And I, I was real surprised, too. I didn't think this guy had any chance. 
But he went on to have a terrific career. At, at the time, he was one of the premier kickers in the National Football League. We're visiting with longtime friend John Eckert of John Eckert Entertainment in California. And John, you represented yep. a lot of the Falcons and uh, yep. also a lot of the Hawks uh, back in the day yep. in, in the 80s. Not yep. as many of the, the Braves, but one guy that folks will remember here because we have a lot of Atlanta Braves fans in eastern North Carolina because they were on yep. the Superstation. They were on TBS and everybody watched Skip and Ernie yep. and Pete all yep. of those years, as, as you well know. And yep. there was a guy that I know our listeners will remember from his Braves days, Terry Harper, yep. played seven years yeah. with the Atlanta Braves, had a nice career there, and and uh, you represented Terry, too. Yeah, he, yeah, I did, and, and Terry was one of those guys that was, um, he was another almost Tree Rollins. I mean, he would do anything for you, and to this day, he is still my good friend. Besides you, Jeff, he's probably one of the <laughs> best friends out of, out of this whole thing. But uh, Terry was, was a player that played a lot in Richmond. He played a lot yes. with the Richmond Braves. You're right. And he, he was one of those guys that was called up. He was called down. He was called up, and he was called down. He was a local guy, a local kid from Douglasville, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. So he had a huge following, and he was actually in the – school class of my ex-wife and that's how i that's how i got to know him wow okay well he and yeah. uh, he had one uh, terrific year with the braves in 1985 had his best year he had 264 he had 17 home runs and 72 runs yep. batted in which was his best year in atlanta and he did play as you mentioned seven years uh, for the braves up and down another yep. guy that uh, you know well and and represented. Yep. So, John, you're you're kind of in the twilight, I guess, of your career, like we all are these days. Uh, you've had a wonderful career. Uh, what's in oh. the future now for for John Eckerd living in Northern California? Well, I'm considered semi-retired. I, I never say retired because you know, in the music and sports business, there's always something around that. Sure. That hmm, that, that sounds very interesting, and uh, I'm uh, I'm quietly uh, living in uh, Lucerne, California, which is uh, I'm about uh, five feet from Clear Lake, and I really enjoy it here. Uh, it's very serene area, uh, very quiet, unlike my Atlanta days. And I really enjoy being out here in California. But, uh, you know, you never know. Something or somebody could come around that would caught my ear, and I would go, hmm, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is so small. Lucerne is so small, you only have one speedway. Is that right? That's right. Only have one, but it's one of my favorites. I told you that. <laughs> yeah, it's because you listen to those Jeff Charles commercials, right? That's right, I do. In fact, <laughs> it was really funny. One time I was listening to you on um, on the, uh, I think it was the football broadcast, and you mentioned Speedway, and I said, hmm, what if there's a Speedway around here? <laughs> God, gone it, there was. Yeah, there, uh, that's great. So I'm a member of the Speedway Club now. There you go. John, <laughs> we'll end it on that note. Hey, this has been so much fun talking with you yeah. and your incredible career and all the people you rubbed elbows with. I know our listeners have really enjoyed it tonight uh, stay in touch i know you will and the best to yeah. you uh, and your wife in california you got it and ain't that a wooly bully huh? yeah, that sounds good <laughs> folks that's john eckert yes john go ahead yeah, I was going to say, take care, my friend, and I'll be listening to you. You know that. I know you will, and we appreciate it very much. John's one of our loyal listeners on the network to all East Carolina Pirate football and basketball. That's John Eckert. You got it. What a pleasure it's been having him with us, and that's our Pirate Radio podcast.
What another great episode today of the Pirate Radio Podcast with the voice Jeff Charles and his special guest, John Eckert. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. And in the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. Or you can visit our website at pr927fm.com and you can follow us on social media at pr927fm to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.